Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Relationships. I'll be joined by my mother, Summer Crosby. Join us as we talk about how intimacy shifts when we forgive each other and how it gains a whole new meaning when you become a parent, how couples can best navigate the seasons of their relationship, how your ancestral history impacts the descendants, and how the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Mum, welcome to Let's Be Honest. Hi, Jess. How I'm are you? I'm so glad to be here. Are you really? Yeah, I really am. Okay, good. Um, this is my first and only interview with a parent of well, mine. I've only got two. I was going to say, how many do you have? Yeah, well, two as far as I know. Mm, I think so. But anyway, thanks for being here and being willing to do it and wanting to be on. Thanks, I'm excited to do it. Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations in our life, so yes. I don't imagine this will be any different. Other people are just going to hear it. That's right. So today is let's talk about relationships mm. and how relationships and intimacy between two different people or groups of people affect um, how you live and the impact and role they play in your life. Mm. Um, so obviously we've got one of the most traditionally close relationships we're mother and daughter parent and child Mm -hmm. what are some of the main relationships in your life that are really pinnacle to who you are Mm. well I kind of tend to divide my relationships into sort of earthly and celestial so the very most prominent relationship I have is celestial and that's with God the highest source um who put me here so that's that's and that's the only relationship in the celestial really in terms of one who gives to me and hears me and sees me and then I have earthly relationships I think mother-daughter bond is probably first love my mother you, you know, mean your mo- your mother daughter born? It doesn't matter whether you're the mother or the daughter. Mm. For me, my first love was my mother, and ultimately, still probably is. Even though we are reared to grow up and move away and establish our own families, there's something there that you share with your mother that you might not know it at certain times in your life, but you can't have it with anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's it's unique. And then when you become a mother. And that doesn't have to be a biological mother. It can be, you know, any kind of relationship where you have someone you're bringing up and is dependent upon you, mm-hmm. wholly dependent upon you for all of their needs. That's um, terrifying on one level because nobody trains you to do it. And typically most people, the only example they have is their own family mm. setting, though Other people are exposed to other families and things, I suppose. But raising a child up in relationship is so difficult because that child is actually part of you. They get all your good and all your bad. So when you see your child doing well, your heart, you know, wants to swell and say, Oh, my child, she learned to walk when she was seven months, you know. But when your child is struggling in a way that is true to you as well, whether it's a... A bad habit of fear or anything like that then you be I, well, I can only speak for myself but I've heard other parents say they resonate with this you start to feel responsible mm. like you've passed something on to that child and of course when your child is born you see that child is perfect and so precious you just can't imagine allowing anything to harm that child or derail that child in any way but when it, it's something that you know you have in yourself is very painful. Um, of course, there's marriage uh, or partnership. How long have you been married now? 27 years in September. It's a long time. It is a long time. And of course, I think marriage uh, is similar to other relationships, i.e. if they're long term, they go through seasons. Mm-hmm. And so do parent-child relationships too. And the probably biggest mistake we make is thinking that any one stage is permanent. Mm. Good or bad. Good or bad. Um, Or believing that life 
um, is static and constant. It isn't. It's always changing. That's the only thing we can count on in, in life mm -hmm. is that you can never be sure of it. Mm. You don't know what's coming around the corner. It might be wonderful. It might be challenging. It might be traumatic. Yeah. When we're talking about like mother-daughter relationships, how does it feel to be what I would describe as like the sandwich person yes. that you're, mm -hmm. you've gone from having a mother and being a daughter to now being a mother and having a daughter. So yeah. you're in the middle and I obviously don't have children yet. So that mm. line hasn't um, carried on as of such and your grandmother isn't alive. So there is just the three of us in terms of that maternal generation. Yes. How does that feel from going, um, for, as I said, from being just having you and your mother, obviously you've got siblings, but um, to then having a child, did you feel like you found a new respect for oh. your mother and relied on her in a different way after you had your own child? Definitely. And it didn't just have to start with having a child. I started to learn to have respect for my mother as I matured. Mm. So, for example, when I became mature enough to understand that my mother was a woman. Mm. And not just mum. That she was not the role of mother or wife or pastor's wife, but that she was actually a human being full of experiences, full of um, her own sets of joys and sorrows, achievements and disappointments, um, rejections, etc. Then I started to have a different relationship with her. My heart opened in a compassionate way mm. towards her, not like, because when you're little, you know, this is, it's developmentally impossible to be any other way. Mm -hmm. so you can't blame children for it. Same with adolescence and young adulthood. They're, they're, they come with their parameters. Mm. And parents have the advantage of having already gone through it, but they also have the frustration of knowing you're stuck in a place that you can't help. Mm -hmm. And they want to help you move to the next place. But in that is also... The frustration, I think, it lies lies in not being understood. Mm. So your kids do not understand you. And that is a real challenge. So I think having children helps you to understand what your parents went through as parents. Mm. Okay. you That unique situation. And then you start to see when you have sleep deprivation. Which is also a torture method, by the way. Right. It, well, first of all, you don't know what you can do until you have a child. You can't imagine until that child is put in your arms that the, a love like that exists. What for you was it instant bonding and love when you when I was first put in your arms? Because I've heard a lot of mothers. I listen to um, Giovanna Fletcher's podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby, and she talks to all sorts of mothers and their relationships. And one of the questions that come up all the time is this feeling that for some women. Um, it wasn't that instant bond sure. and it was sort of this alien you put in my arms and overwhelm and right and i think if most women are honest the labor process particularly if you're awake you know in generations past women weren't fully awake they were in twilight sleep so they wouldn't have had the same conscious experience that perhaps someone who's fully conscious during labor would um but i imagine we all share some common denominators Personally, for me, it was it, it was and will always remain the hardest thing I ever did, physically and mentally. Mm. Um, and I was I was quite traumatized because I had a belief that uh, I was going to have an epidural and I was really just not going to feel hardly anything. Mm. That didn't work. So of course, then I was thrown into a very traumatic situation and. Um, I didn't have a, a mental backup plan for that. I hadn't accounted for that even being a possibility. But the amazing thing was, is the moment that you were born, all that stopped hurting. And I re-entered, you know, the room. Mm. And I was exhausted, but I was just so thankful. And I couldn't believe that I'd done it. Because when you're in extreme, extreme pain, you either you either run away and dissociate or you just start praying let this end let yeah, this yeah. end take you know? me now take me now um i can only imagine what that's like because i've been ill mm. to the point where i was like 
somebody shoot me, like mm. not even being sarcastic or like right. dramatic. It was when I was traveling in Borneo yeah. and we were in the middle of the jungle, mm. no phone signal. It was, you know, a two hour drive from right. whatever the local town was mm. to this village mm. and then another two hour boat ride up the river into the jungle. And we were staying in these like, I'll be generous and say tree houses yeah. with no plumbing, no toilets, you know, nothing like that. And I got food poisoning. Yeah. Serious food poisoning. And Which is awful no matter where you are. You don't need to, for me to explain what that is, but I was just... Mm-hmm. As it, ill as you can I can't see. even talk, in a, talk about it. Like, yeah. just to, to give detail, it's just horrendous. Like, I was up all night. I, I thought there was nothing left inside of me, like, throwing mm-hmm. up that mm-hmm. much and mm-hmm. um, not having enough water and and then having to get, like, reverse that journey and, and be that ill and go back up the boat two hours mm. to a two-hour drive to, you mm. know, have some trainee nurse try and give me an IV. And, of course, that's all I needed was, like, rehydration. But I remember thinking, somebody kill me because mm. mm. it was just horrendous. Yeah. Well, I think the issue when you get to that spot is that you can't see a way out. Mm. Like you're trapped. Yeah, you just can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And... And also, even though people could say to you, it's all right, this is going to end, unless you trust them, Mm. um, you won't believe them anyway. So part of what um, that experience was like for me was that I was overjoyed that it was over, but Mm. successfully over. Like I had brought you into the world. I gave you to your dad first, and that was my plan from the beginning because I know that sometimes dads don't bond Mm. or don't get the chance to bond. And I really wanted, because I had already figured out this was never happening again. Really? And you, from what you told me, you wanted quite a big family, didn't you? I did. I wanted six children. Six? Mm. What made you come up with that number? It just felt right, sort of, (laughs) you know, six. Little did you know. I had no idea. Well, most people think like, But some people have good experiences with pregnancy, mine was very difficult Mm. and then birth was uh, you know birthing you was extremely traumatic but I thought to myself I want um just to be with her dad first because she'll be with me a lot and I want him to bond with her and so they they obviously showed me you right away but daddy held you and he cut your umbilical cord and then they did the APGAR test and put you, you know, in your little bath. And then they gave you to me. Oh. And, um, and I didn't feel, it's difficult to remember because when you have an experience in any relationship that's painful, you, in time, you tend to sort of let it go. Yeah. Or it becomes bit. a bit hazy. Yes. But I, I remember being very happy to have you in the room, you know, beside me in your little hospital bassinet and my little toes your little toes and oh there's tell me there's anything cuter than little baby toes no, yeah nothing no, nothing edible maybe they're little ears but yeah. so in terms of relationship for a big pivotal moment in your life such mm. as giving birth mm. the relationships of those who were in the room with you mm. like particularly my dad and mm. um i know your family was stateside and mm. i was obviously born in the uk mm-hmm. um so you didn't have them present with you but what was it like having someone who you'd already had an established relationship with, you know, dad, you married and mm. you'd already established that, but then new people in the room that you had to ultimately trust whether you liked it or not, but didn't necessarily know them like the midwives and the nurses. And, mm. um, how do you think the role between an established relationship and a new relationship played a part in, in uh, how you well, experienced it? It all it? depends on what you're relying on the person for. Mm. What did you rely on dad for in that moment? You know, I guess just to be beside me. I knew that he wouldn't leave the room, mm. you know, that he would be there for me. The, the The rest of the team I was relying on, that nothing would go wrong mm. medically, physically. Was it hard to put your trust in somebody? Not really, no. no. I mean, I mean, ultimately my trust, whatever um, is happening to me or wherever I'm going, my trust is in God to be in control of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have learned to live my life. It's still a challenge at times, I have to say that but I've learned to live my life believing that everything that happens is absolutely meant to happen I really struggle with that phrase it's interesting because I do believe in God and have a relationship Mm. with God in in my own way 
but I really, I, I doubt it and struggle with it myself and really empathise for people who really struggle with it when, when people say everything's meant to be, everything happens for a reason because it's so, to me, multi-layered and, and multi-dynamic because mm. well, there it, are such horrendous things that happen in well, this sure. world that you're like, there, there is no... Yeah. thinkable reason for that well, it's interesting that you say that because i think that's where people struggle it's like how could it be meant to happen that someone gets cancer or that a child dies or any terrible thing and i guess it's more i lean more into what's going to be done with that like by the divine so but if so, you had lost me as a baby if mm. i died from crib death at 10 months old mm. I think when it happens to you, it's so much more difficult well, to go, well, there's a reason. a lot has happened to me. A lot yeah. has happened to me. So I can stand and say that for myself. I, yeah. I don't have to say it to someone else. I would never say to someone who'd lost a child or found out they'd had cancer, I would never say, well, look, everything that happens is supposed to happen. That's not the time mm. or right circumstance to share that information. That's a personal belief that I hold for my own life to say, Look, every human being experiences good, bad, painful, joyful, you know, victorious, defeat. Everybody has that in their lives. There's no reason it shouldn't happen to me. Why would I be the exception? Right. Okay? So I'm going to have my fair share of it all. Some people have more than others. We can't deny that. But that's what I've learned for myself. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, relationship is not just with people, but it can be with emotion. And with yourself. Yourself, with pain, with sorrow, with frustration, with lack, with abundance. Mm -hmm. And learning about yourself in those times. So I definitely feel I could look back and say, it's not fair. Some of the things that have happened to me. And I could be bitter. And I have struggled with that. Mm. not so much with things in my childhood but just more in my adult life mm. and I've had to learn to give that up because it, it has made it, it made me very ill mm. it made me sad it made my relationship with myself completely different and it also definitely impacts everybody around you mm. so I sort of saw it as when other women would say oh I had a wonderful pregnancy if I could be pregnant all the time I would I was like I okay I cannot relate to that at all and then a little part of me wanted to say that's not fair mm. I wanted to have six kids why did I find myself in that situation well yeah. who knows and you know what I may leave this world not knowing but I'm accepting do you think you could have handled six kids now knowing what motherhood is like I don't know that's a good question I mean well, until imagine six of me <laughs> The world would be a better place. Oh, but you know what I'm saying? I, no one knows until they're in the situation. So so what has your experience with like romantic relationships been like? I know you you dated and, and had other relationships before you met dad. Oh, yeah. What was that like for you? And how has that changed when you were dating as a teen versus in your adulthood in your 20s? Um, well, I... I always had boyfriends, even from a really young age. Were you like a uh, never single sort of girl? Mostly, and I usually had more than one guy <laughs> on the go, but not <laughs> if I was committed. If you know what I mean, once a commitment right. was made, that was that was different. But I, I really you were learned, dating lots. I I was dating lots, and I I also learned to try to get the measure of somebody. Right. And so I always had somebody, one or two guys in the wings that. Mm, okay, if this guy actually doesn't show that he, he can do it up. or step up to the mark, I've still got, you know, a few guys over here that I know are interested and I can talk to or, or it can possibly go somewhere. Um, but basically my self-esteem was low, although you would have never believed it because I was um, appeared very confident. Really? Okay. Oh, yes. Um, and, and I did have confidence in my... Um, personality and I had confidence in the way that I looked I wasn't unhappy overly unhappy with any particular part of myself um but you know this is something you don't necessarily learn or know about when you're young you don't understand what self-esteem really is self-esteem probably is an issue that most people struggle with yeah I would agree 
Um, whether it's being able to just speak up, um, knowing what you want your boundaries to be and why, um, you know, worth. Um, so uh, there, I went through a period where I was really sure I wasn't going to wait around for anybody. If somebody was late for a date, I gave them 10 or 15 minutes. That was it. I'd leave. Then, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I just learned to be a little bit more gentle. But one thing that has always been in every single one of my relationships is caring, giving too much care, mm. too early, believing too good, uh, believing about Rushing a person ahead. that they are too good. Rushing ahead, but also just naivete, mm. believing that this person has the same heart that I have. Um, or whatever. Now that doesn't mean I don't have my problems. I do. And I can be a very challenging relationship partner, whether it's mother or daughter or sister or auntie or whatever. I mean, I'm sure I'm a challenging person and that goes for romantic relationships as well. But I, I have had to learn to adjust my expectations, mm. uh, not to expect perfection. Mm -hmm. And also you can't, it's a really weird thing, but you can't expect someone to understand your issues until or you mind read or mind read until you understand them. Mm. And if you haven't understood your issues and you've entered into a relationship, the chances are that person may not understand them anyway, because you've picked a person when you're in a different spot mm. than you currently are. Now you haven't been enlightened. You haven't grown. You haven't made new decisions. You've picked a person who's, was way back on a different part of the path where you also were. Or you or you decided to enter into a relationship because of what you wanted out of it. Or what you believed. Mm. Or what you projected. Yeah. Or like, what you hoped. Like a lot of women just want to be married, so they'll just get married to somebody who's available and it, and they don't go into it. What, what has been mar being married been like? Oh, well, really hard, mostly. There are joys... There are joys in marriage. Um, there's companionship and, you know, to, to it must be very hard to come home um, and and know that no one is going to be there, you know. You mean the, someone who isn't married? Well, I don't mean that. I don't mean that it's, it's, it's not um, okay or good or fun to be single. I don't mean that. But what I mean is that if you never have any companionship, let's mm. just say you're a person who works really hard, long hours, and it would be nice once in a while to be able to just have somebody who understood you and loved you, maybe had dinner ready for you, that kind of thing. You don't have to be married to do that. Sure. So that, that part is, is, is good. And also, um, going through seasons together and, um, learning about yourself, even though it can be painful is really a great joy to me. And understanding uh, another person selflessly, that takes a lot. That took me a long time. That took me a really long time mm. um, to say, just because this person is married to me, um, they may not be able to meet some of my needs mm. or a lot of my needs, depending on the season we're in. Mm -hmm. um, what have some of those seasons been? Well, obviously, new, being a newlywed um, and setting up home, you know. I immigrated, so there was a lot to do there. And then getting pregnant and being excited about that and then having the baby and then the reality of caring for a child, the financial, you know, you want financial stability as much as possible. So then, you know, you start worrying or thinking about that and how to make that happen. You're not getting your sleep. You know, you're worried. Is the baby okay? Is the baby breathing? The number of times I said to your dad, you know, with an elbow in the ribs, get up, is the baby breathing? You know, it's probably part of our sleep deprivation. But, <laughs> and then, of course, your focus shifts, you see. And when you have kids early, you haven't had time to be together. And you did. You got pregnant 10 months into marriage, didn't That's you? That's right. That's right. Well, I wasn't young when I got married, you know. And well, you weren't old. No, but I, I... How old were you? 27? I was 27. Is that right? <laughs> I'm about to turn 26. I feel like you're saying... Uh, I had you when I was 29, so 28. Yeah, so I was 27. I got married in the September. My birthday 
was yeah and that's just a uh like a historical shift in what's expected of generations now because now the norm is not to get married until you're in your 30s and having kids oh yeah mid 30s is totally normal there's there's people having kids at 40 and 42 you know but for me i you You know a lot of my friends were already married and had kids and that kind of thing so i thought 30's the mark, you know, I'm not going to go past that. Do you think if you hadn't met dad and, and your life turned out the way it did at the time and age you were, like with that marker you gave yourself at 30, do you think you would have been inclined to just pick no. whoever so you would no. have been married? No, definitely not. I, I picked that because I was married. I definitely don't okay. feel... Oh, you meant 30 for having children? Uh-huh, for oh, having okay. children. Oh, yeah, 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 for having children. I um I didn't have any any pressure in myself about oh I should be getting married I'm getting older I didn't feel any of that <laughs> I didn't I didn't really feel old but I I knew that I wanted to have a baby fairly soon into marriage because of my age and I wanted to have the energy and strength to yeah you know run around and do things and I know Dad um you know owes a lot to you for his career because he in talking about seasons you know mm. but what was that like seeing a partner through big career changes and, and things at work because you weren't a part of the company he was setting up. Like you didn't have a, a job role there, but you you were holding down the fort at home and helping him move through things. So what is it like when you're when it's time to like support a partner and it's about them and your needs become on sort of the back burner? Even though you have an interest in it, because obviously it's gonna end up being your provision, but I think it totally depends on how the couple um works that out if a, if a wife is home or a husband whoever the partner is that stays home and runs the home and takes care of the children feels really deeply appreciated partner sees the family as everything um works out holidays so that you can do things together when kids are out of school at least some of the time probably that's really helpful mm. um did you feel respected in, in your role that you were in your marriage? I think I was appreciated, but I also think that it's it's one of those things like where I was talking about the children aren't developmentally able to understand their children. I think a lot of people don't understand what their partner is going through mm-hmm. and just how demanding it is. I think, you know, um, your dad was very... Um, appreciative but he had no way of knowing what I'd really given up right to be here and he also had no way of knowing what it was like to do a long day daddy would get up and he would have he was very he was very helpful in the mornings always he made sure especially during the school years that you were up and he was getting you he was doing breakfast um but he wasn't around during holidays he didn't take time off when you would have been off he didn't know what it was like to do an eight hour day on his own well not eight but 10 or 12 really is the reality depending on what day it was and what time he left for work and what time he got back um and he would have the weekends but i would always be there so that's the that's sort of a common dynamic i I think it doesn't matter if it's the wife or the husband i think it's an issue of relationship and understanding Mm. the other person and equally I didn't have the experience <clears throat> of um, having to be, in the beginning, the sole provider financially. Um, I worked a lot when you sort of got to the age of when you'd go to nursery. I took a little part-time job, and then I worked all the way up until... Uh, I guess, off and on, and almost until you left um, at 18. <clears throat> I had years where I didn't work, or a little bit of time, but I did all kinds of jobs. And um, so it's not like I didn't, you know, understand what it was like, but I never was the sole provider for a family. And the pressure that comes with and that. And the pressure that can come with that. So, but seasons are like when you're in love and when you're not in love. When mm. you are all dreamy-eyed, and when you go, oh, God, if I see his face one more time, I'm going to kill myself. And Or he would say, you know, I just stop talking or whatever. You know, all couples <laughs> go through that stuff. 
and the how hard is it to get back in love when when you feel out of it? I, I think it's a choice. I think it's a choice. Um, what what's hard about it is whether you're stubborn. Mm. I really believe that because I've been through enough uh, phases where I think really the issue is trust more than being in love. Okay, that's a that's a great question. Is when trust has been broken on either side right. of the bridge. It's how still, do you? It's still a choice, mm. but it depends on. I think the actual circumstances, for example, if you have a person who has in some way in your mind, or you believe, betrayed your trust, um, and you're able to talk it through, and you have really good communication about that, and your partner's able to say to you, I hear you, I get that, and I commit to, now I understand it, and I ask you to forgive me, and we're going to move forward, then move forward, mm -hmm. and pay attention. And then if your partner continues to struggle there, perhaps then that's the time to say, okay, I, I need to go inside myself and think about what this means. And that, that's very difficult because it depends on your circumstances. Are you in a secure situation? Do you have any help if you need to get out? All those things, there's lots of issues. Um, but you better be ready, whether it's marriage or living together, I don't care which, you better be ready for the good and the bad. Mm. There is no such thing as a relationship void of disappointment. Sure. Um, your partner's going to let you down. You're going to let them down. You're going to make mistakes. All your ugliest parts are going to show. Mm. And... The disadvantage that your dad and I had is that we went super fast and we really didn't have an opportunity not, not to tell each other our issues. We didn't even know our own issues at that point, really. Mm. Because what was it? You met and had sort of three weeks when you guys well, first met and then yeah, did but long that, distance? But, but even that, it didn't happen till the end. It didn't happen till the last three days of that three weeks. I went to see someone else. Really? And the last three days were when I thought, oh my goodness, you know. And then it moved very quickly. Because mm, you did long distance so, for about a year, is that right? Uh, well, not even a year. I think I, I think I came back in the June of 1991. Then your dad came over in August uh, for a couple of weeks. And you were living in Florida, right? Yeah, and then... I guess it was that December of 91, I went and got engaged in Glasgow. You met in the <clears throat> June and were engaged by December? Well, we were engaged by the time I got home. I just hadn't got my ring yet. I mean, we'd said we'll get married after that three days. After three days? If I came home and told you I'd done that, what do you think your reaction would be now? Well, my mom laughed when I told her. <laughs> really? I, uh, sorry, I'm stunned that I've not known this, that you were in, engaged after three days. Well, we didn't, we did, it wasn't official, but when I landed in, in the States and I called your dad to say I had landed, he said, when are we going to get married? <sighs> I said, any time. So, so hang on, hold on. What <laughs> made you think like, yeah, that's it. This is the guy I'm going to marry. I just had this sort of divine experience uh, where... Any time. Where... <laughs> <laughs> get rid of all those guys in the wings uh i just had this divine experience where i felt i knew he was the one did he ever tell you what he felt in order to say that so quickly well he'll tell you that he fell in love with me the minute he saw me he said he'd never seen a girl like me i was walking from his neighbor's house down to his house daddy's because they had they, the, the neighbors were taking me to a ball and i had nothing obviously to wear such a cinderella so they kind of pull me and they said go down to our neighbors they've got a daughter and she might have something you can borrow i didn't know what i was walking into i didn't even know who they were they just told me the house number and um your dad was in the lounge of his parents house and they have a big big window and he saw me coming down the street and you know had my nails and my cute you know, a little spiral perm and I was very tan and I had on a white shirt with black polka dots and, you know, I was small and cute and adorable, I guess. And I went in and it was like very But didn't quick. he ask you out and you said, I'm right. Yeah, because I didn't know he was asking me out. <laughs> uh, I didn't really realize he was asking me out. But anyway, the, the long and the short of it is that 
in a way, you can't know things mm -hmm. until you've gone through something. You're naive. You're innocent until something teaches you otherwise. So there's no need to beat yourself up particularly. Mm. Um, and of course, the, the true naivete that your dad and I had was that we did not know what it meant to be from different cultures, different faith backgrounds, um, you know, different family dynamics, although we have some similarities there too. We just thought, sure, I'll We're move in love, over there. I'll move to England and have a dream. And, and it'll all work out and I'll have my six kids and, you know. So what's it like being on the other side of that, of it not turning out the way you thought it would, but not all being bad? Do you see the lessons in yeah. everything that happened? I absolutely believe that everything that has happened to me, although at times has been extremely difficult and so painful that I honestly felt I was on fire. I don't think that I could have elevated spiritually, mentally, without going through those experiences. And I would have had them with other people. Maybe they would have been slightly different. But I think the point at which your dad and I came into marriage, we were at a certain point in our lives. Mm -hmm. So whoever we had picked, we would have had the same issues, more or less, Although if daddy had married somebody in his culture, he might have had a few with me that he didn't have with someone who was of his culture and me too. If I married someone who was American or Southern or whatever. But I think you only do a certain type of work when you're with an opposite. Mm -hmm. Well, Heidi, mm. when we did the episode, Let's Talk About Intimacy, mm. she specifically said that, that you, you should you should get with and, and be with an opposite. Yeah. It's never going to work with sort of two peas in a pod. Yeah. The issue is whether both people agree and sign up to the same thing. And mm. dad and I, <clears throat> like a lot of couples, excuse me, never signed up for anything except I love you and I'll spend my life with you. We never talked about, I mean, we both knew we wanted kids and I, maybe we knew we kind of agreed on how to handle money, but we never talked about the, the faith issue. We never talked about what might this be like if I get over here and I can't adjust or, you know, we just didn't know uh, how the other person handled themselves when they were angry, you know, Do you think all kinds of things. You would have done better if you'd like lived together before and had some time to get to know those things about each other. I don't know if we would have done better. It, it, it might've meant that we, we didn't make it mm. because we, we had an out. I mean, because we had gotten married, I don't think either of us thought we had an out right. um, or wanted an out for a long time. You know, we didn't want an out for a long time. What do you wish you'd known back then that you now know about about relationships and what it means to, you know, the marriage relationship is a very solid, big one, as in you're sharing a life with someone, but in every way that you've grown, whether it's been in your relationship with me as your child, with... Mm -hmm you know, your husband and your siblings and your parents, like obviously because you talked about earlier that you've matured and gone through seasons. So in in specific to those particular relationships, but also in general, what do you wish that you'd known then that you now know? That's a good question. Perhaps I wish I had, I don't know, you know, it's, it's almost a fruitless exercise to go back and, and wish it was different because... If you went back, you'd still be in the same place that you were. You can't really go back. It's mm. a myth that you can go back um, as uh, the person you are today. You, you couldn't do that. But Okay, well, uh, another scenario. If you were to start again for whatever reason right, uh -huh, uh -huh. and you were going to do it all again from where you are now, yeah. what would you maybe do differently at the beginning of something new that oh, you... I think I'd probably try to know a person better and by that I mean really understand their frailties mm. up front. And how do you think a good way to really get to know somebody is? Like for people who are listening to this that are either dating and considering marriage or just wanting to know how do you get to know a person, what do you think are some realistic ways like do you think it's the amount of time you spend together do you think it's the conversations you have yeah I had a professor at Florida State who said if you want to see if someone is marriage material go out on dates where there, there's some stress level and see how they respond hike up a mountain forget the water um, go somewhere and, and lose your way 
um, you know, see how they are when they go to a restaurant and the, the waiter or waitress is struggling that night and not attending to your needs very well. Watch how they handle themselves. Be around them in as real a situation as possible. Don't create fantastical kind of dates all the time. You know, don't go and sit at the movies. Sit and talk. Or at least have a balance of both. Um, here's the thing, though. I do want to say this. <laughs> when you are getting to know a person, no matter how hard you try, unless it's super long-term, like some people have seven or eight years, they're really getting to know each other, they might be living together. You, you aren't going to get to know that person in that scenario like you will when you're married. When you've committed and you, your finances are combined, or you have children, or you own property, that's a different scenario. So you have to be prepared for that. And what I think you have to ask yourself is, are we committed at the same level? That's quite important. Do we agree on the main pillars of what is important to us? Some people, faith would be very important. Some people, money would be very important. Some would be children or how we're going to raise our children or what faith we will or not raise our children in, etc. What do you think the biggest obstacle that you and dad... Cultural, probably. And that showed up in what ways? Like language and... Language, humor, uh, tradition. Um, I mean, even, even crazy things like, um, for example, covering food when you put it in the refrigerator. I mean, to me, it's like you never put a tin can with some food left in it in the fridge. That's very common practice or was when I first moved here. Um, or putting like, say, you've cooked four burgers and only had three and there's one left, just sticking it on a plate and putting it in the fridge. It'd be, well, that'll be dry tomorrow morning. <laughs> Silly little things mm. like that. Not knowing the word they use for something, you know, and trying to say what that is to your partner. Go, go get this for me, please. Or, you know, when you're at the store, could you pick this up and... They come back and say, nobody knows what frosting is. <laughs> <laughs> Me or anybody else in the what whole store. What do we call that here? Here we call it icing. Yeah. Uh, it's well, icing. Is... ice a cake. It's icing. Yeah, that's true. I see frosting as like really thick and icing is like nah. thin. No, not necessarily. Okay. There's different types of icing, but it's still. <laughs> well, we call it buttercream. Yeah. Well, that's a type of icing. Yeah. That's yeah. a type of icing. But anyway, I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things. What's I don't been... know what I would do differently. It, that's the honest answer to the question. In some ways, I'm tempted to say I might, and you think your dad would say this too, because we've had these conversations. Your dad and I would both be tempted to say, we kind of probably pick someone more similar to ourselves. Mm. Um, dad would say someone less emotional, because that's really hard for him. And I said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I haven't met very many non-emotional women. Um and I think I would probably lean more towards somebody who was more similar to me culturally and faith-wise. Dad is a doer and I'm a beer. So that's the other thing is like, I don't want to be occupied and moving every minute. You know, I think I'm cerebral. I dream. I plan. I'm in relationships. That's where I get my connection dad's is in getting out there walking listening to music and there's nothing wrong with that but if you it's find no different. meeting point if you find no meeting point mm. what are some of the things that you share being so different i mean obviously you're my parents i lived with you for 18 years so i know you both very well and yeah. you're dynamic and you are very different yes what would you say some of your common interests are or things that you where you do meet and, and share those things? That's such a good question. If I was to, to, to be brutal about it, I think... It is called Let's Be Honest. Yeah, I think the truth is is that I chose to be interested in what your dad's interested in. Okay. Because somehow that was how I was brought up, that that's part of a woman's role. And, <clears throat> well, <laughs> but but interestingly, I am, I am actually interested in architecture. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have known that without being exposed so to So there's some things dad. that dad introduced to you. Exactly. Sure. And and a, a other thing I told him the other week was like one of the things they love is that your family's uh, very celebratory. Like they do it big. You Who know? said so that? I said that to dad. Like when you sit down for a meal at his mom and dad's, everything's going to be set. 
there's going to be a starter, there's going to be a main, there's going to be a pudding, there's going to be chocolates, and there'll be brandy. That's often the case. Not every single meal, but certainly for big celebrations. Let's get out the good silverware, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of wasn't really my experience growing up. Um, what, did you have plastic plates? No, no, it wasn't so much that, but it was just... It's hard to say exactly. It's just a, a celebratory feeling. A in sense the air. of nothing's too much. Yeah, nothing's too much to do, and um, and that was good. We definitely agreed on money. We definitely agreed on money. We yeah, always you, believed. Uh, yeah, we don't believe in credit. I've always noticed that growing up, you guys have been a big influence to me for being financially responsible. Like yeah. you just said, you never had debt really, apart well, from your we have mortgage. A mortgage. Yeah, and and we've had to put a couple of cars on finance, but. But but you've not been like burning a credit card, do. and oh, I don't always, own a credit card. I don't own a credit card. Yeah, you've always been uh, very good on coming together on money. That's for yeah. Sure. If you don't have the money um, to buy it, then don't. Now that of course it does not apply to people who um, need to eat. I'm not talking about people who need to eat, and they may have no choice but to put it on a credit card. I'm or their rent or, or their rent or whatever their kids' school clothes or books or whatever. But we're talking about Amazon purchases. Oh, right, right, right. But I'm I'm just saying... Unnecessary. I don't want to come across as judging other people. I'm just simply saying that was a rule that we had that we both agreed on. And and we agreed on you, though we struggled because Dad's approach to raising you would be very different from mine at most times. But we definitely agreed that we wanted you to be happy, we wanted you to be safe, we wanted Mm. you to have good experiences. Yeah. And Um, for me, when it came to me making my own decisions, like not necessarily going to college right away or wanting to travel or when I made the decision to move to America, I never felt like one of you was trying to influence me the other way. Both of you were were very united on we support you. Whatever you do. What yeah, and and that's a wonderful thing that I know a lot of kids don't have. Yeah. What's been the hardest relationship in your life? Your dad, definitely. So being married yeah, yeah. E- even more difficult like than parental issues that you had with your own parents sure, or sure yeah because I got to a point like I said where I matured enough that I understood my parents and right said because when I became a parent I realized hey it's no joke mm. <laughs> there's there is no easy way around this you have to become someone's uh, provider full provider they have, you have to have a dependent to mm-hmm. understand your parents and you will never fully understand them until then. Mm-hmm. So I was able to work through stuff. Every kid can look at their parents and say, I loved this and I didn't like this. Mm-hmm. This was a victory for you and you really failed here. Mm. Your turn's coming. Yeah. You know, and so when I was able to say, oh, my parents are just people, they're flawed. Hey, and it didn't start with them, mm. by the way. this You also have a relationship with your you know, your ancestors, when you go back, there's multi-generations mm. and you don't, you have no idea where certain issues start. Families mm. have certain things in them. Yeah. Every family's different. But what you find is you, you typically marry into other families that have similar issues, whether it's alcoholism, um, domestic abuse, rage or anger issues, uh, people addiction, who, addiction, people who, who just aren't motivated, who can't achieve. There's depression. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you, you, thinking incorrectly if you believe it started with you or your parents Mm. it was way back yeah how do you think our relationship between you and i as mother and daughter and parent and child has changed from when i was adult uh, excuse me from when i was a kid to now being an adult do you look at me differently and looking look at our relationship differently yes i'm tempted at times to especially when you're home it's a challenge to not fall back into that historical relationship where you were little when you lived in this house mm. and I, I and I think kids do it too they come back and they suddenly want to be kids again except when the parent <laughs> then starts to treat them like a kid and then they go hey what are you doing but I'm a grown-up I'm a grown-up but please bring me chocolate and rub my feet you know <laughs> <laughs> but so I think generally um I definitely feel the loss of you you know like Mm. when when I when you first went you needed to go and I was and I was angry when I left yeah and I was ready for you to go so tired of just you know being in that angst with you Mm. I just thought oh you know this is going to be good because you and I are very close now and I think 
consider each other friends and we obviously still have blips in the road as every of course um and we always will yeah relationship does yeah. but you know we had a lot of anger growing up I was could could be at times a very angry teenager and young person and felt sure. you were being unjust and that you couldn't understand me and it was just sort of this battle which I think is very normal mother and daughter stuff absolutely um but you're so right that a lot of the issues between you and I didn't start with you and I no, and, and it they was will be the ancestral. same with your kids. Yeah. Although hopefully the fact that I, I, and you've seen me doing it, have mm. tried so hard and continue to try so hard to address my own issues. Yeah. You were very vocal about wanting to break the cycle of generational and yeah. ancestral traumas and sure. you know, bad behaviours and, and definitely... Yeah. Well, destructive yeah. behaviours. because That was definitely a prominent memory in my mind of you, of you making that effort. Sure. The thing, the best thing to remember is that your parent was once a child mm. and their parent was once a child. And also the age you're at now. Correct. And don't lose sight of that. And also don't lose sight of the fact that your parent is a source of wisdom uh-huh. for you. And your child has come to teach you something too. Yeah. All Everybody in your life is going to bless you and teach you a lesson. Mm. What do you think I've taught you? you? Sacrificial love. Hmm. That no matter how tired or how sore or in how much pain, do my best. Mm-hmm. Do my best. Teach you that that is what love is. It doesn't mean to hurt myself. Sure. But um, to just go the extra mile as much as I can. And you see, when you have a child, like I said, it's unique. So you may feel all kinds of distress in raising your children. But when it comes to that point where you think, am I going to break? Somehow you get this extra energy, this extra commitment from within yourself to go the extra mile. And if you can do that with a child, then technically you can do that with anybody. And you can do it for yourself. And you can do it for yourself. It's a choice. But you have to be at a certain juncture Mm. or crossroads in your life. It's easy to advise other people. Yeah. Um. But bit harder to walk the walk, isn't it? Well, because you don't actually know what a person's got, what point they have to get to in order to mm-hmm. make that decision. It looks like they're ready from the outside sometimes. Yeah. Um, but to have patience and try to be with people where they are. And I think that that's probably, with you as a child, I was definitely a helicopter parent. But I knew what my issues were because I had had some trauma in my own childhood my main focus was never let anything like this happen to my daughter but also don't ruin her life which to give you credit for it didn't you you did protect me and I used to just feel it's funny like things like high school parties that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't let me go to I remember having to fight with you Mm -hmm. to be able to go to my after prom party which was being held at a friend's house in the backyard supervised by parents and you just were convinced oh let's just remember that correctly it It was was in a field behind their house no it wasn't it was in their backyard it was in their back garden you've forgotten it's right it was a field we'll talk about this after the show but it was not um (laughs) but just like feeling so um Left out. Left and, out and like, how could you just not? Don't you see, you know. Everybody and, else is going. Yeah, and that part of that was being adolescent. And of course now I look back and think, oh, I'm not even friends with those people anymore. Like it would have. Well, I can tell you what would have happened is that you, and you found this out at other events, is that you're the, you ended up being the girl that held everybody's hair while they puked. Right. You didn't actually have fun. Right. You but were just there trying to care. be a part of it, like when you're a teenager, <laughs> but. You know, but so that was a yin and yang of like, you, mm. you made sure I was protected and safe and, you know, had the nuclear home to come back to and that I was protected. But also there was so many feelings of being like, uh, feeling unjust and how could you and just... Yeah, and that you were being held back. You've got nothing going on, so you're making my life your calendar and like... Boy, you I know. tell you, you're gonna just... Oh my God! You just wait till you have your own kids. I remember the first. I'm time. saying that's how I. I felt know. I know. Believe me, I know. I have the scars. <laughs> I am. Um, I remember the first time you told me that kids were going to Plymouth on the train to go shopping. I was like, Why is she telling me this? And which is what a thirty-minute train away from our hometown. Yeah. And I thought, Well, why is she asking? Why is how she old was I? Fourteen, and okay. you you pushed so hard, and I thought, Lord, what do I do? 
Oh but looking now, don't you think that's a fair age? Not for me. So that's a cultural difference. Kids do things earlier here, except for, um, I'm trying to get that. What difference? Oh, driving. American kids drive much earlier mm. than the British. Yeah, they get their but permits everything at what, 15? Else, yeah, for mm. everything else is done much, much earlier. Drinking, boating, having sex, you know, all those things are done earlier. And even the Leaving ratings. high school. Yeah, and even the ratings of movies. They're like, uh, oh, yeah. rated 15. And I start watching it and go, what? Oh, <laughs> this is not a 15. I don't even want my 18-year-old watching this. But anyway, so little differences like that. So I always had that conflict with your dad. He's like, what? Let her go. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I would think of all the things that could possibly happen to you. And what was your fear? Like that I would be abducted? Or... Oh, there'd be some, you'd be on the train and somehow some weirdo would sit next to you and, you know, do something. Or and why did kidnapped. dad not have those thoughts that you had? I can't answer that. But he never did. Um, or why do parents who are not as extreme in helicoptering as you were or uh -huh. other parents are, uh -huh. how, what's I, the mindset? I think, it's, I think it's based in your insecurity, yeah. your own insecurity. Because it's funny because as I've not had my own children but been a nanny, mm. I've definitely said a million times like, Oh my gosh, I get what my uh -huh. mum's saying now. There's no way I would let these kids play in the front garden on their own. Like, Hell no. you know, oh. and I see it now as where mm. some of the things I thought that you yeah. were being ridiculous for as a kid, I've gone, I really get it now. I don't yeah. know if I'd let my 14 year old daughter on the train. Cause, but then it's funny because you wouldn't want me to go into Plymouth on my own with a mobile phone, dad being in the city, being able to get to me if I needed to at 14. But you did let me fly to Germany on my own. At well, that 14. was that was a build up. You see, I had to start with something small. Believe me, that was a horrible experience for me as well. <laughs> when you went on the train, when you went on the train, okay, the only thing I didn't have trouble with was you going to school. All the other moms were wailing. And I was like, well, what is going on here? I was like, see you later. <laughs> you know, I skipped home. I had four hours to myself. I was so excited. <laughs> that was fine. I didn't have any trouble you going into school, probably because I saw that as a safe environment. I mean, I don't know. Did you not worry about like the teachers or who was there? Mm -mm, or no, no, I really didn't. It was a Christian school, and I just thought you'll be fine. Christians are the worst of them sometimes. <laughs> not not true Christians, because uh, a true Christian wouldn't hurt a child, but yeah, people but... who masquerade as something, I suppose. But anyway, you, when you went onto the train, other mothers were dropping off and fathers, and, and all of you were going in a group, and of course you were was oblivious. This nursery? No, no, when you went on the train to Plymouth, oh, oh, oh. You, you were oblivious to my pain. You didn't care. You were like, let me get out of here as fast as I can. <laughs> didn't reassure me at all. And um, jumped on the train. And I, after the train pulled away, I burst in tears. One of the mothers just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, this is the first time I've ever let her go. Because oh. you guys would get to the train station. Then you had to walk under an underpass type thing and go up to town. And I thought, oh, my God, the number of things that could happen there. I just... Prayed. I just went home and prayed. Oh, and I, every you were time, very plagued by it, weren't you? Yeah, and like when your dad would take you to London, I would just, <laughs> I, I, I could, I literally, and you know, you were a sensitive child at that point because, um, I had said, well, first of all, your dad doesn't see danger. He doesn't see danger. And Do you remember the story? About I, I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> you wrote me a little. I found a note after you guys went. I think you were going up for three or four days. And How uh, old was I at this point? I think you were, I don't know, still in primary school. Like six or seven? Maybe? No, maybe like nine or ten. Okay. And I thought, okay, you know, he's going to take her. I can't do anything about this. So... <laughs> Uh, of course, I was I was really sick with worry, Aww. and I was trying to calm myself and get myself together. Oh, it's not funny. Oh, it was so awful. And um, you had written me this. I found this note. You, read. <laughs> you had written me and left where I would find it, and it said, "Don't worry, mummy. Everything's gonna be all right." <laughs> And I just remember just going, oh. <laughs> you know, really, really <laughs> crying and thinking, oh, my God, she's so special that she knew that I was worried about her. And then, of course, your dad came back and told me what he thought was a hilarious story oh my God. that you guys were on the underground and please walking find down the, the gap. Yeah, please find the gap. And you were... Um, he was walking along and he said, he's going I reached back for Jessica's hand. 
and I froze at that phrase. <laughs> he didn't even know what trouble he was in. And he said, and he said, I went to gr- grab her hand. And he said, and I had grabbed the hand of a strange, you know, just a stranger, a man behind him. And the guy shook his hand off and he realized that you were two or three people back. And I'm thinking, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I told you never to have that child out of your sight, your touch. Oh, just anyway, he was like, what's wrong with you? It was fine. She was fine. She was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like for you when I started going off? Horrible. Like I went to Kenya at 17 for a month and only was able to phone you one time, like three yeah. weeks in. That I was more okay with because I knew the organization. I'd seen what they'd done. I talked with them. I'd, I'd heard about people's coming, you know, going and coming back, and I thought this is great. She's going to be fine. Yeah, that was fine. Cambodia. Also. Shout out to Camps International. Camps International. If you want to go on an amazing trip, whether your kids in school or you want to do it as an or adult, an adult. I've yeah. traveled to Kenya. I've traveled to Borneo and Cambodia with them, and they are awesome. Yeah, so. they are quick plug for them they are amazing and so i felt good cambodia was harder because you were you were really anxious at that time really stressed you were homesick because that was sort of like it we when i went to kenya Mm. that we flew as a group like we met all met at the airport the different schools and went together but and then i when i went to asia it was traveling with a friend of mine who had met on the kenya trip and that was us traveling the other side of the planet on our own to meet up with and we didn't even meet them for like two days we Mm -hmm. got there early and oh yeah i was riddled that was harder for me because i knew that was the case were you more anxious because i was anxious uh well while you were gone i was yeah Yeah. i was i was anxious because you were you were definitely in a different state than when you went to kenya um when you decided to go to uh was it munich first to see sophie yes munchen i remember thinking you've got to let her do it that's what she wants to do and it like I wasn't just going off to like stay in a hostel like the, I was being met at the oh, airport and staying in our family friend's home. But it was the navigating the airports and flying internationally on my own. At four, what were you home? Fourteen, Fourteen, yeah. So I said to myself, okay, look, just Jess, if you call me, if you call me or text me when you land, I'll be fine. No text. <gasps> oh yeah. Why no didn't text, I do no that? Text. Because I think you got through too quick and they were there. So anyway, I called the airport. I was so desperate. Oh. I called the airport and they were so kind and they they confirmed that you did land. Um, so that relieved me. I thought, okay, she's landed. Um, and then I started calling your, your phone and I couldn't reach you. I couldn't reach you. And I thought, my God, my God, you know, have they picked her up? What's going on? And they had picked you up and you'd put your backpack in the boot of the car and you said, I could hear it ringing. I want to die. And they're taking you to dinner. And by the time I actually reached you, I had to call Ulrika and get Martina's number and then act like nothing was like, oh, hi, Martina, blah, blah, blah. I've only wet my pants twice. I'm wiping my tears away. And she put you on the phone and I said, don't let them know I'm crying, but I didn't know. (laughs) It was so stupid. Oh, my God. But it's that thing that takes over you, you know, that Mm. you... You don't want to go to that place, but it's like, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it to lose oh. her or anything that happened to her on my watch. Yeah. What's you your know? relationship with yourself been like? Oh, sometimes I'm too much for myself. In what way? Oh, just emotionally. I'm an overthinker. I have OCD. So part of my OCD, which, you know, is much, much, much more under control now. I didn't know what OCD was growing up. I didn't know about intrusive thoughts mm. that loop that gets going in your head where you think the, over and over and over yeah. and over again um i mean to to an extreme really in a sense where i just could not shut my thoughts off mm-hmm. and that's one of the things i've worked hardest on as an adult is to learn to say that's enough yeah that's unproductive that is not doing you any good let that go um i think Understanding myself as fully as possible is very important to me because what I don't want to do is wander through this world not understanding how I impact other people. Mm -hmm. I really want to be responsible for that. What's one thing that you would love to really get a hold of for yourself and like understand and have in your life? Like whether it's 
patience or more respect for other people or like what is it in regards to relationships that you'd really like this is the next thing I want to grow into I think what I'm tackling right now is um learning to be extremely balanced and and, and have a, res- a response mm. a considered mature response that incorporates compassion for the other person yeah because I'm a rea- I'm a reactor by nature mm-hmm. and I don't want to be in the place where I'm only looking through my own set of lenses mm-hmm. that my perspective is 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 completely um, due to what glasses I'm looking through I want to say hey everybody's got their perspective yeah so that that's what I'm working on most I suppose and being being calm is really important to me because I've had so many years of of anger and frustration and resentment and just feeling unsettled Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't I don't want to create that anywhere I go and I want to try to I want to try to be the best I can be and that means I was watching Ram Dass um, on Netflix a few weeks ago and just thinking you know this is the pinnacle of what I want to be like is just so aware of what's going on around me and what lessons the universe is bringing me mm-hmm. and that's why I say everything that happens to me is meant to happen because the universe is bringing something back around you know I use that word universe because most people are more comfortable I feel like that's you know, that's my word for God or the Celeste or mm-hmm. the divine. It's be- becoming a balanced person. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Have you enjoyed yourself? I have. Good. Thank you. Thank you for it. sharing your story and being so open and honest. And I think people are going to really enjoy what you had to say. So thank you. Thank you again. I hope so. Thank you for joining us on the final episode of Let's Be Honest for 2019. Be sure to follow us across social media using the tag Let's Be Honest, the podcast. We wish you a happy new year and we want to say thank you to all of our listeners across 22 countries around the world. This podcast would not be possible without your support. We thank you and we'll see you in the new year. Bye.